sit right down. Waiting for the gift of sound and vision. This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox, and that was David Bowie with his song, Sound and Vision. David Bowie passed away in 2016, but in the year 2000, he recorded an album made up of songs he created years and decades prior. That album was called Toy. It was never officially released until now. I caught up with Toy's producer and mixer, Mark Platty, who also played guitar on the record, to talk about David Bowie and why it took Toy so long to get an official release. Toy was a very fast record to make. It was a record made pretty much live in the studio, uh, in the moment. And David really wanted it to come out pretty quickly, kind of with the same urgency with which we made it. And that was kind of what it was meant to be. And uh, in those days, record labels weren't really set up to do that, to really put things out instantly, kind of like now. And he had already done that. I'd done that with him already a couple of times, where uh, in 1996, we did the first internet single called Telling Lies, which uh, we recorded, we mixed, we did some versions, put them on the internet, and that was that. Telling Lies. And we did it again later with a live album, which went directly to fans. A live album called Live and Well. I'm afraid of I'm afraid of the world. So he already knew that this was not only possible, but kind of the way things were going to go. He had a <laughs> he was sort of scarily prescient about the internet and what it was going to be like in the terms of the consumption of music and all that. But they were not ready to really do that sort of thing in 2000. And even while we were finishing up Toy, he was already, in typical fashion for him, he was already jumping ahead to the next thing. We had started to record new songs, which were going to become the next record. It was sort of the beginning of that. So his head already went somewhere else. And uh, I knew at some point it would see the light of day in some form, but I guess I didn't think it would take this long. And why, why release it now? Because they've been going through the catalog sort of decade by decade by decade. And now it's come up in terms of their release schedule. The last year or so, I've been uh, consulting with, uh, it's, this is uh, Parlophone through Warner in the UK, uh, about various other releases from this period where I was involved in the late 90s which have consisted of some things I completely forgot about that I don't even remember doing because we were just so busy and going, oh, God, that record, <laughs> that single, little little one-offs here and there that, you know, they came out for a second and then I just forgot about some things that just didn't even properly get released. And I hadn't heard them in 20 years. So, of course, this is now in the timeline because this latest box set they've done of the 90s goes until 2000. So we're up to that point now. Yeah. How would you describe Toy just as an album itself? <laughs> well, I guess technically it's, it's an album that's pretty much done live in the studio, as opposed to most records at that time, which were all all done multi-track and usually in layers. Sometimes the artist would be writing in the studio, but not like this. This was definitely a more of an old school approach as far as a, more of a documentation and less of sort of composing and, 
and producing something on the spot. This was getting a band together, getting songs together, rehearsing, performing, and then going into the studio to catch that. On another level, for me, it was uh, it was about that, but it was also about trying to catch a certain energy, a certain live energy that I kind of got aware of. I got more aware of it once I began to perform with him. Uh, and I felt on stage how he interacted with an audience and how singing on stage was just a different sort of energy. And I really wanted to capture that on record. Mm. Do you have a favorite track off this album or just a, a track that was really memorable for you when you were, you know, back in 2000 recording and producing this and being a part of the band? I don't know. There's so many little memorable events of uh, just being in the studio together and uh, somebody coming up with a cool part. A lot of times at ends of songs, we would start to jam once we were, you know, we'd play a song down together and then we would just start to jam together. And I always remember doing that because that was just, again, something I wasn't used to on a recording session. I was used to that with a band, but it just never happened for me like that on a recording session. And from those little jam sessions, one of them became an ending of a song. And another one we took and we made a new song out of that. So how many albums did you work on with David Bowie total? I think I worked on about seven albums in total, uh, starting with uh, Earthling. I'm afraid of America. I'm afraid of the world. Hours. I got seven days to live my life. A seven ways to die. Toy. Heathen. Reality. And then live albums, uh, live at the BBC, Glastonbury, and uh, Live and Well from 96 and 97. Which is, I think, is maybe is that seven or eight? I lost count already. <laughs> but there were just so many odd projects in there too. Like they just released another album of something we did that wasn't even supposed to be an album called Changes Now, which was like a ten-song uh, little set that we recorded for the BBC in late 1996 with a stripped-down band that was uh, David Reeves Cabrels on guitar, Gail Ann Dorsey on bass and vocals. Uh, with David and uh, and I was adding some programming and they made an album out of that which uh, that was one of the things I forgot we ever did but was actually a really cool uh, little session I mean besides the fact that you that you all kind of went into the studio and it was kind of like live to tape was there anything else that you feel like set apart toy from the other albums you worked with him on? I think that was the major part of it. The method was very different. I think also something very special about that record was just the mood of it, the mood of the times and the, the mood of the band and David. We had just come back from England, from Glastonbury, and uh, 
And David had just really triumphed there. And uh, he was going to be a daddy again in uh, August of that year. So he was a pretty happy camper, uh, which definitely had an infectious quality with the rest of us who were, we were all in a good place. That was the thing about this record. Everybody was in a good place. Bands can be like marriages. (laughs) And with, (laughs) yes, with the ups and downs and ins and outs that a marriage can have. And when you're playing music, you know, sometimes like if one personality is a little off or a little unhappy or one ego is a little out of whack, that can affect the whole mix of people. But we didn't have that at all. It was just really smooth sailing and everybody loving to be in the same room together. And that's something else I really feel on that record. How would you describe David Bowie just as a musician and as a person? Well, as a musician, quite unique. A very unique outlook on music and composition, which was interesting about this record, because this record is all all about songs that he did very, very early in his career. He's still like a late teenager. And you can see in the writing already where he's going to go, because he's already beginning to take chances and disregard the rules, which is something we all associate with him is uh, being like, you know, an A-class rule breaker, which made him so special in his way and being fearless musically. And as a person, he was just, he was a joy. He was always very funny. Uh, That was the thing about his sessions is it was always a lot of fun, always a lot of humor, and just very easygoing. That was my conversation with producer, mixer, and guitarist Mark Platty, who worked on David Bowie's album Toy, recorded in the year 2000, that wasn't officially released until November 26th of this year. Well, that was Sound and Vision. Before we go, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this Sound and Vision podcast. It goes a long way in helping other people find this show and realize it exists. You can also help support this show financially by giving a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org sound. Thanks for listening.